murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record, hope got Josh was just talking about Fayetteville and how it's gone downhill even more since we lived there. And, you know, I, I guess while I was uh, uh, setting up to record, I should have thought of the name of the movie. But it's the one with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce w- Willis, the one in the future where, you know, they could travel back in time. Looper. You guys have seen that movie? Uh-uh. Okay, well, it's in the future. I'd say maybe set like 25 years now for a modern day. And the way they depict the future in that movie, I think is pretty accurate. Like on the on the breakdown of society and what we're seeing and how Josh was describing Fayetteville, I think that we're just a few years away from what the future looks like in Looper, where it's not like a hellscape like Mad Max or, um, you know, The Walking Dead or anything like that. But it has decayed significantly in that movie. And it's just and the cities are just kind of crap holes. But I, I think five years away from that, man. Five to ten, maybe ten. It was, it was bad. So yeah, right. I was telling Luke the. Uh, so I, pick, I picked up a rock on my windshield somewhere in between, somewhere on the interstate, and uh, so I had to get it done at Safe Light, and uh, but Safe Light doesn't have a place out here where I live. You've got to drive, you know, the fifty miles to Fayetteville to get it done over there. So, and so you know, schedule an appointment, drop it off, and they're like, oh, all right. Uh, you know, we don't know when we're going to be done. I was like, well, I made an appointment, right? It, should, right. it only takes a couple hours, right? And they're like, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, we don't know when it's going to be done. I was like, well, why did I have to make an appointment? Right? <laughs> so anyway, so I had to go back the next day. So I had to go to Fayetteville two days in a row. But uh, as we were, you know, so the wife follows me over there and, you know, so I can drop it off and we're right back. And even she made the comment, she was like, this is really bad. Fayetteville is a cross between Grand Theft Auto and The Walking Dead. <laughs> it truly is. I mean, there's so many businesses that are closed, so many so many businesses that have been abandoned. And, you know, grass has grown up, bushes have grown up in front of windows. Like, it's just, there's people just, just walk down the middle of the street, like, with zero regard for traffic, right? They just walk in the middle of the street, you know, cross lanes, not like, you know, just, and then, one of the things that I never saw in Fayetteville the first time I was here was homeless people. Like I just really didn't see homeless people that much. Uh, they're everywhere now. Like homeless people are everywhere now. And I was like, holy smokes. And this is one of many reasons why I don't live in Fayetteville. But I mean, it's like, it was bad before. I mean, it, you know, it's got the nickname Vietnam for a reason. Uh, and they cleaned up Hay Street a lot, you know, over the years and, and everything, but man, it's, it's bad. It's not good. How um, many, how many listeners do we have in, in that area? Uh, we got quite a few. I mean, we probably have a couple of dozen easy. Yeah. Okay. Around, dozen, I, I would really? say, I, yeah, I would say, well, I would say around the Fort Bragg area. Okay. Um, Who's the mayor? I mean, is it a Democrat Republican or? No, it's a, it's a Democrat mayor. Hard Democrat. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's a very, Fayetteville is a blue city. Uh, you know, not surprisingly. So it's always been a, it's always been a blue city. Apparently uh, I'm in trouble right now. Apparently I'm in trouble Uh right now because we're recording on mother's day. When are you not in trouble? Uh, I know it's weird, right? (laughs) Well, just bring her on the air and tell her, come on in. Come on in. Gotta fix everything. She doesn't want to. 
She's saying no. She's just going to put. But you know, and it's on. not just Fayetteville. I mean, it's it's all your major cities. I mean, you're you're seeing it. I mean, well, I mean, look at San Francisco. We've been watching that decline before our eyes over the last ten years. Uh, and you know, I used to live there as a, a you know younger adult, and you know, you always had your shady parts of the city, just like every city does. But now the entire city is like that now. Uh, it seems uh, same thing with like Denver. Although I did think I was in Denver recently, and it seems to me. Uh, that it kind of cleaned up a little bit. I mean, you still have the majority of it's a, a poop hole, but there seem to be pockets that, you know, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, a concerted effort with with local business owners, like, hey, we're going to make this area nice. We're going to take care of our own. We're going to, you know, clean it up or whatever. But there were definitely some some pockets of, of, you know, what I remember Denver being back, you know, years ago versus what most of it is now, but I mean, you see it everywhere. Do you see it in Phoenix? You see it in Denver, you see it in San Francisco, New York. I mean, hell New York, you can't even, I mean, obviously, you know, with the case that's going on now, but you know, you can't even walk down the street in New York without worried about getting mugged, shot, pushed in front of a train or, or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a little ridiculous. I wonder, is that every, I don't know. I don't know much about New York. Uh, I've only been there a couple of times, but is that uh, you think? Is that like everywhere in New York? Because like Chicago, people always say Chicago is, and it is. It's really bad, but it's really localized um, in Chicago. Very localized to, to certain areas, and I, I want it's, it's got to be the same in New York, right? Because you know, you look around in Dallas, for instance. Uh, there's some really bad parts of Dallas, but you're not going to see high crime in Northeast Dallas, for instance, which is the Dallas proper itself. Northeast Dallas is a very wealthy area, you know, those people, they're the ones on the phone with the police commissioner and the, you know, the mayor and all this stuff saying, Hey, what the hell, you know, if if there is crime in that area, there's going to be more police presence, you know, because they're the ones that are going to get on the horn and uh, they're the ones giving donations and stuff. So, you know, same with like McKinney, Frisco, places like that, where there's a lot of money, there's not going to be as much crime, you know, because the police are definitely more accountable in those areas. But uh, I, and I'm wondering if, like, New York is the same or, or different. I don't know. I haven't been up there in a while, in a couple of years, but my guess is, kind of like with San Francisco, is it the pockets are growing and it's becoming more widespread, widespread throughout the city. And I don't know if you're seeing the same thing out there, Josh, like with Raleigh and Charlotte and stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> On New York, uh, so, you know, the the wife and the kids and – her cousins and stuff they did a uh, they did a girls trip to uh to manhattan the week after christmas uh just this past christmas uh to go see you know they went and did some you know a lot of the tourist stuff and saw some shows on broadway and, and everything and it was kind of it was part of our oldest's graduation present uh and uh you know i mean they went up there they had no issues in uh you know in new york but you know they they stuck to they didn't go out you know really after you know after the witching hour, uh, you know, they stuck to the tourist sites, you know, the, the, the Statue of Liberty, 9-11 Memorial, you know, places like that. And they also took, you know, uh, private tur- transportation wherever they needed to go. They didn't take the subway. They didn't, you know. So I think, you know, in a lot of places, I think if you exercise a little common sense, you're fine. Uh, but I will say Raleigh, uh, you know, like Luke said, every place has, every, every city has their they're bad parts. Uh, but you're correct. And those bad parts seem to be kind of spilling over into some of the traditionally good areas. Uh, you know, people in some of the more affluent areas in Charlotte 
have been getting robbed, you know, in broad daylight. Uh, there have been some, there's been some looting and in the nicer areas, you know, during the middle of the day, you know, 10 or 15 people walk into a store and just start grabbing things and they walk out with it. And in some areas where, you know, there, there was definitely some pearl clutching going on because those people in those areas are not used to that. They are not used to seeing that, you know, think about like, you know, thinking about BLM or Antifa showing up to, you know, Rodeo Drive and, and looting stores. Like there would be, there was people, people there to be like, ah, oh, I didn't know this happened here. I thought this was only in South Central. Um, so, you know, and while we're on the topic of, uh, uh, of New York, um, I know Luke wanted to, uh, to discuss, you know, the current, uh, the current case out of New York, um, you know, of who that Daniel Penny. Daniel Penny uh, and Jordan Neely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of, uh, you know, what's uh, what's going on, and then, you know, specifically my comment and, and some other folks' comments on uh, <laughs> how we, uh, you know, would react to a situation like that at this point in a in a blue city. So I'll kick it over to him for, uh, for his thoughts on Daniel Penny in general, and then, you know, his take on uh, on some of our comments. Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, encourage anyone, uh, anyone listening to go ahead and go over to Give, Send, Go. I don't remember how I found it last night, but it's uh, if you type in the Google machine, the Gurgle machine, uh, Daniel Penny, Give, Send, Go, it'll take you straight to a legit page where they're raising money for his legal fund. And last I looked at it, I think I looked at it last night, uh, it was like $1.5 million, which is good. You know, so 1.7 million. Okay. So I'd encourage anyone just, you know, Give, give a little money because if, if any one of us found ourselves in that situation, um, you know, we'd probably be suffering the same fate or similar to, 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 to Penny. So uh, yeah, just, I think it's, it's truly a civic duty at this point, I think, uh, to give to his legal fund, uh, if you're of, of like mind, uh, to us and, you know, it, this is, I was kind of uh, talking smack to Josh, probably should have put it in the cup life actually, but the, the cup life has kind of fallen off. There's only like five people <laughs> are still on it. Cause I think uh, it gets annoying for, for some people. <laughs> they just like, Oh, here, here they go again. But uh, it's entertaining, but I was giving Josh some, some lip uh, while he was asleep last night about uh, you know, you wouldn't jump in, you know, and I, I put a lot of thought into that and, you know, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but, ah, geez, you know, I guess we'll kick it around a little bit and kick it back to, to you guys, to Roger, I guess, how he feels. Restate your, restate your statement for, for those that oh, didn't gosh, hear it or see it or whatever. It up. I mean, well, it doesn't have to be verbatim, but. Well, I, I don't know. You could probably say it better than I, I did. I don't remember. I'm trying to scroll up right now saying it. No, no, no. It should be, it. it should be verbatim. Okay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're about talking. to go. We're about to go into the explicit right, right off the bat. Click here. Come on, where is it? Okay, I'd like to address. <laughs> I'd like to address how Josh is afraid of the state when it comes to defending an old lady getting raped or assaulted, but he's not when it comes to the state coming to take his bump stocks. <laughs> I said that sticks in my crop. And it, it, come on, I mean, it's it's all it's all in good fun. It's. Uh, it's to spur discussion and kind of get under his skin a little bit. But I do think that there's there that that does bear discussion. And I I thought about it a little bit this, this morning. I was like, I think I know what Josh is going to say, but I just think it's a, I think it's kind of a shame that, you know, your, your daughters and, and your wife went to New York. And if, 
you know, if something happened and uh, to, to them on the street and people are just going to walk right by, you know, it's not, I, I think that one of the things I think Josh might say is, well, it's those people's fault. They get what they deserve for electing the leaders uh, that, uh, that are elected. But, you know, I think that's thinking about it a little too much. I honestly believe that if you, if you guys saw it, would it, you wouldn't have time to think about it. I think you would jump in and do something and you would suffer the consequences. Cause I don't think that you, either one of you guys or the listeners are the types that would stand by and, and do nothing and look the other way. I, I just don't think you would do that. Um, especially if it was super violent. Uh, I think you'd jump in and, and worry about the consequences of that later. Cause it's, it's simply just the right thing to do, you know, for, for, a, for, with another human being getting hurt or, uh, you know, oppressed, if you will. Um, uh, that's kind of where I stand. I really think that, uh, you guys would actually jump in. I really do. Maybe not in the subway thing. Maybe, you know, people will back away, back away, back away and wait until they're attacked. I just think that's, you know, that's probably what's going to happen. But uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a damn shame, man. When you're not willing to, when you go to New York or Chicago or Austin, Texas or somewhere like that, and you're from a, a red area and you see another American getting beat up or hurt and you're not going to jump in because they happen to be, you happen and they happen to be in a blue city. Well, we don't live in a, in a real country anymore. We live in a version of Bosnia. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Now I'm just sitting here thinking as you're saying it, I mean, one, everybody's got that line, right? And it's, uh, and with the Neely thing, I mean, for people that, that aren't following all that, uh, you know, the video that I saw, and I don't know if you guys saw any more than, than what I'm getting ready to relay, but it shows Penny, basically, he's got a, a rear naked choke on Neely, and then there's another black gentleman that's holding his arms down, that's holding Neely's arms down, and then I guess from there, he passes out and then, and then dies. Now, I don't think there's video, or I haven't seen any video of, of, like, how did he get to that position, or how did he get to that, you know, how that situation arose, uh, apparently he was making some violent comments and, you know, I'm not scared to die or, or whatever the case is. And, and so, you know, Penny steps in and, uh, puts him in that rear naked choke. I think, and it's, it's obviously, it's always easy to sit here Monday morning and say, okay, well, here's the situation. You know, here's what I would do or whatever. I think a lot of it just depends. It depends on the line. The sad thing is, and here's because nobody knows how you would truly react until it happens. Uh, and, and where that threshold is for everybody is different. But the sad thing is what would cross into my mind is the lawsuit or the criminal charges coming from it. That, that's, that's, the tr- that's the criminal nature of this thing, right? I think everything you're saying, it's like, you know, are you going to interject yourself into every little skirmish that's going on? Of course not. You know, but if I feel threatened, obviously you're going to respond. A uh, family member of mine feels threatened or is threatened or somebody I'm with or, you know, an old lady or whatever. But uh, at the same time, you know, you, you're kidding yourself if you're not going to sit there and and have some thought go through your mind like, man, am I really? Because here's where it comes down to to what I think Josh is saying anyway, is, hey, if you're in those blue cities, be prepared to be arrested and be prepared to face murder charges or manslaughter or whatever the case is. And it's like, I, I think with uh, with Penny, I don't even think they went to a grand jury. I think Bragg just straight out came out and charged him with manslaughter, right? So yep. Yep. that's the problem. You know, that's the true criminality of it all is the fact that you actually have to sit there 
and say, wow, do I really need to involve myself in this? Because am I prepared for myself and my family uh, to go? Th- I mean, because regardless of how this thing comes out with Penny, I mean, just imagine, imagine the emotional and mental strain on this guy for the next four months, you know, and then regardless of, you know, you, you can almost say, and I say this, you know, tongue in cheek, it, it's almost better for him to be found guilty of something. Because if he's not, he's going to have to move. I mean, there's no way that dude stays in New York City, right? I mean, when you look at all the protesters, uh, there's obviously going to be some threats on his life. I mean, dude, they're going to be at this guy's doorstep, you know, and you feel bad because, you know, from what we've seen, you know, it's a guy who's trying to do the right thing, uh, probably protect a bunch of, you know, passengers that are on the train. But, you know, going back to like, you know, some of Josh's, you know, previous statement and and mine as well, it's like, hey, there is a certain aspect of you're getting exactly what you voted for. And I know people get tired of saying that or hearing it or, or whatever, but that's truly the case. If you sit there and you defund the police and you and you poop on them, uh, I'll, you know, Bragg ran on, well, I'm going to indict Trump regardless, right? I'm going to indict. When you, when you do that over the course of several years, this is what you get. This is what you see. And the only thing that you can hope is that uh, there is a turning point somewhere. And unfortunately, it's just got to get bad. Uh, but there's a, it gets so bad that there's a turning point to where people are like, yeah, we're, we're done with this. Uh, you know, we need to start supporting local law enforcement. We need to start uh, supporting, you know, the prosecution of our laws. But, you know, this guy uh, nearly, was he arrested like 40 times or something like that before? 42. Dude was arrested 42 times. I think he had a kidnapping charge. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had an attempted kidnapping charge of a seven-year-old girl. Unreal. And, and he's on the street. So it's like when you when you continue to vote to release those people, you know, and, and I don't know what the answer is. I mean, again, everybody's got their line. There's a threshold somewhere there. But, you know, especially in these bigger cities, man, when you have more and more criminals that are being put on the street, uh, you know, arrested 42 times and then, you know, kidnapping of a seven year girl. It's like this guy should not have been on the streets. Now, that goes back to there's probably well, not probably there is there is a mental illness issue uh, going on that, you know, there is no solution for. Uh, or that, you know, our politicians haven't come up with a solution for, but, you know, it's going to take, you know, unfortunately, I think it's going to take several years, man, for some of these, uh, some of these voters in some of these cities to say, hey, we've had enough, right? We've had enough, we're done with it. And it's time to start, uh, you know, taking necessary action to strengthen our society, not just continue to to let it degrade. Completely agree. And and I agree with a lot of what Luke says, too. I, I think it's sad I think it's sad that you even have to have this conversation, right? I mean, it, that has been one of the things, you know, that, that has been destroyed probably in the last, I would say really in the last 10 years, you know, is, is masculinity is, you know, men should be the ones stepping in. Good men should be the ones stepping in to stop evil men. I mean, that's how you, that's how you do it. Uh, and I forget who said it, you know, the, the only thing for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Uh, and I get that. And I, I, I 100% agree with that, but that's the reality is if you step in and do something in a blue city, you are now putting yourself in great legal jeopardy to the rage mob and these Soros funded DAs. I completely agree with what Penny did. All right. This guy was on the train. He had threatened to kill somebody that was also on the train, allegedly. Right. And so this is all, you know, based on, based on news reports. 
none of us, none of us are there. So we don't know. We don't know for sure. But if somebody's standing there and they're threatening to kill someone, I think putting them in a rear naked choke and holding them, you know, until law enforcement shows up, restraining them until law enforcement shows up, I think that's completely acceptable. Right. You've now, you've now threatened to kill somebody. All right. I, do I have to wait until you do it, you know, to, to, to step in? Cause that's silly. You shouldn't have to, but the reality of it is, is if you intervene on something and it is not what the rage mob wants, you are going to go to jail and you are going to make no mistake. He's going to be found guilty. They are going to select a, a quote jury of his peers, right? From the community, the same way, you know, they're like, Oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe the jury, you know, finds Trump guilty of, you know, rape or sexual assault. It was like, where was it at? Oh, was it Manhattan? Oh, he's, he's getting found guilty of something. Penny's going to get found guilty of something simply due to where that is. All right. Now, yes, if, you know, if, if that would have been, you know, my wife or kids up in New York on their, you know, on their girls trip and somebody, you know, assaulted them and stuff, would I have wanted somebody to intervene? Of course. Would I have blamed people for not intervening? I would, I would have understood it doesn't mean it doesn't mean I accept it. It doesn't mean I like it, but I would understand. I, I, I would understand when when people travel to when people like us travel to these types of places. We need to understand that we're putting ourselves in jeopardy when we act. Um, and so, Luke, I'll ask you a I'll ask you a question uh, after this comment, Roger. We did have a solution for people like Neely. They were called insane asylums. When people had uncurable mental illnesses, we put them in mental institutions and we medicated them to where they were comfortable and they could leave a somewhat, you know, and I'm going to use air quotes here, normal life. We closed the insane asylums and the mental, you know, the, the mental institutions, and we let those people out on the street. And now you have his family who didn't give a shit about him probably when he was a kid. He probably grew up in a broken home and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing the odds, right? I'm just playing the odds here. People can say it's racist. People can say whatever they want, but I'm playing the odds. He probably grew up without a dad. He probably grew up in a, you know, a broken home, probably lived on, you know, grew up on the street. His mom didn't give a shit about him except for the check that she got every month for him. And now all of a sudden his family's coming out saying he was a good, you know, he was so good. He wasn't hurting anybody. He had been arrested 42 times. One of them attempted kidnapping of a seven-year-old girl. Like, yeah, exactly. Didn't do nothing. And now all of a sudden he's worth, you know, he's worth tens of millions of dollars because, you know, some white dude and a black guy who was not charged, by the way, which is really weird. That should also tell you that 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 Penny's he, he's going to jail. All right. That you saw the, the protests at the subway station, everything that dude's going to jail. The, the jury of his peers are going to put him away. So so Luke and, and no, I wasn't going to say they voted for this. Um, because a lot of people there didn't vote for this. Cause you know, I mean, dude, there's probably people on that train that don't even live there. They're tourists They're you know, yeah. But anyway, that's kind of beside the point. So let me ask you this. So let's say you're eating at a mall food court and you see somebody you're in New York city. You're at a mall food court. You see somebody getting wailed on. Right. And dude is out, man. Dude, dude falls to the ground. Right. And he's, he's lights out brother. 
Like he he caught one on the chin and he's asleep. And dude's still getting wailed on. Today, are you getting up and going over there and knocking whoever is wailing on that guy the F out? You know, I I I can tell you what I'll do, what I do, because I are you referencing something that in the past, or did you just come up with that off the top of your head? You don't, you no, don't I, 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 I'm referencing something in the past, but, okay. but I don't, but <laughs> hypothetically, because I ain't putting your business out there, brother. No, 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 it's all right. <laughs> I'll tell that story real quick, and I'll tell, I'll tell a couple of ones, and this is why I can say, I, well, I can't say because I'm older now, right? That that happened a long time ago, uh, uh, 15 years ago almost, and. Basically, yeah, it was in it was actually in Columbia, uh, Maryland, and I had just gotten back from Iraq. <laughs> what I used to do when I get back from a deployment like that, especially Iraq, not so much Afghanistan, but with Iraq, the first thing I do within the first couple of days is I'd go to a crowded area to kind of like uh, immersion therapy, like shock treatment. Hey, yeah, okay, I'm back in the states. It's okay to be around crowds. So I go to the maybe that wasn't the smartest thing because I go to the mall in Columbia. And I'm just, I can't, I think I was in line to get a tea uh, at McDonald's, just a tea. And I hear something behind me and I turn around and yeah, what Josh uh, just described is happening. This, this guy in one of those big puffy jackets had come up and just waylaid some kid that was sitting there minding his own business. And this kid that he was waylaying was, I guarantee you, was just literally minding his own business. There was no real beef there. And I just went over and knocked that dude the F out. And after I did it, I put him in a booth. And I wouldn't even, I didn't even think it just happened. I just knocked him out and I dragged him to a booth, put him in a booth and put my knee on his chest and waiting for mall security. And as, as I had my knee on his chest, I was like, Oh, I could be in trouble here because this kid is probably under 18, (laughs) but he was big. He was taller than me. Uh, Anyway, the the mall security (laughs) actually let me go. They walked up and they knew who he was and they, they were like, Hey, you need to get out of here. I was like, uh, and the guy looks at me, he's like, get out of here right now. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I took off. And so <laughs> that was one. And I, here's the thing. I didn't think about it, but to your point, Josh, I might think about it now, you know, I definitely think about it and maybe gather some people, Hey, let's go do something. But meanwhile, somebody may get killed because good men are sitting here thinking about it. Now, An- another time was I was in Holland and uh, it was on new year's, new year's day, like 12, AM, you know, everybody's on the beach celebrating. And I look over and I'd had a few to drink. Unlike uh Columbia, I was completely sober, but I'd had a few that night. And I look across this kind of bonfire, and there's a dude, this group of dudes is just killing this guy, basically. They knocked him to the ground and they're just kicking him. I mean, they were all Moroccans. And I didn't again, I just started running over there to try to break it up. And then what happens to me? I get jumped. And they turn from him and go on to me. And when all the Dutch people saw me go down, because everybody's just watching, these Moroccans beat each other up. But as soon as they hit me and I went down, I got a few kicks. They got me pretty good. The Dutch people saw a white guy and they jumped in and broke it up. And I mean, I guess I'm lucky. I, I am lucky because they might have killed me. But I, in, in neither case did I think about it or hesitate. I just went. But yeah, I, I guess now, you know, that that thought is going to be there. And you hit it on the head, Josh, when you said, when you travel to a city like that, you better be ready to face the consequences. You know, like they like they teach you in the, the uh, concealed carry classes here in Texas, the good instructors teach you that if you pull that weapon, be prepared for a civil suit at the very least. 
even if it's 100% justified, you will be spending time in court. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you got to put a lot of thought and meditation on your actions, especially if you're going to a city with an Alvin Bragg, uh, you know, you know, take race into consideration, all that stuff, you know, just you have to think about it. And it's a lot of responsibility, you know. It is. And I agree. It is. It's not the right answer. It, 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 it truly is not. But you've got a question, man. You, you have to question am I ready for, you know, and it, it's, it's all, it's, you know, it's trumped up charges, uh, you know, uh, to, you know, be, be punny, uh, you know, and it's going to be BS and stuff. But even if you are in the right, you're still going to face, you're still going to face some consequences for that. And it's, it's sad, it's tragic, but that's just reality. And that's why I don't know. That's why there would definitely be hesitation there. And I don't know that I would be able to, to act, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a blue city to, to help somebody, uh, especially now, I mean, that goes out the window one, if they're my family or two, if they're somebody that I know, uh, then, you know, damn the torpedoes, you know, full, full steam ahead and, uh, and and whatever happens happens. Uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, man. It's not a good place to be as a country. And I agree when you, you know, when you can't even help your fellow, you know, your, your, your neighbor in a, in a situation like that without fear of, you know, consequences for yourself, you are in a bad spot as a country. Uh, that's, that's definitely not where we want to be. We're already balkanizing. Uh, we definitely don't want to be, we definitely don't want to be Bosnia. Nothing's good happening in Bosnia lately. Uh, for the most part, even Kosovo and Serbia and, all those other places. Um, so anyway, I'll, uh, well, and maybe, I'll maybe what changes is your course of action, right? Maybe that what changes, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about the Daniel Penny thing and, and saying, okay, if I was on that train, maybe what has to happen is as opposed to trying to subdue the guy or apprehend him or whatever, where literally you just get into a fist fight with the guy. I mean, that, that might be what has to happen is like, Hey man, you're going to shove the dude off and then I'm going to prepare to defend myself. And of course, then there's, there's other risks, right? Because that's what always scares me. What scares me, it's not getting knocked out or knocking the other guy out. Uh, what scares me is, you know, especially, you know, if you carry concealed or whatever, is that he's going to pull out a knife and I'm going to have to shoot him. Okay. That's the escalation is what scares the crap out of me. You know, all three of us, we can take a punch with the best of them. Um, you know, it is what it is. You win some fights, you lose some, but you know, you, you sit here and you think it's like, well, Hey man, maybe if, maybe if I was in that situation from here on out, I just shove the guy, maybe punch him in the face or something like that. Not to the point where you're going to you know, knock him out. But then again, Hey, be prepared to defend yourself and just pray that this dude is not going to, you know, break out a knife, break out his own gun or, or whatever the case is, you know? And, and, and again, I think at that point, it's, uh, you know, now I, you know, outside of just the litigation and, and criminal charges, now I'm actually facing a real threat. All of us, we would be facing a real threat, right? Our, our threat has gone up that this guy might actually kill us or try to kill us. And that's an entirely different ballgame. And it's, it's sad. Yeah. <clears throat> no, and the, the, the escalation is definitely scary. I'm always, you know, it, it, I don't want to get punched in the face. I've been punched in the face plenty of times and it's not awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to get, I'd be okay if I never, ever got punched in the face again, but 
you know, like you said, your actions could be different. It's, hey, whoever's on that end of the train car in the immediate vicinity of him, hey, get up and move to the end of the train car and you help people get up and move, you know, right. away from him. And, you know, and then if he becomes the aggressor and he's following you and he, you know, won't leave alone, then it's, hey, you know, you go through, you go through your, uh, I hate to say, you know, your ROE, but that's truly what it is. You go through your ROE, you know, you're like, hey, man, stop. I don't want any trouble. I don't want any problems. And then you plumber slap them, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you give them a, you give them a solid plumber slap and, uh, and, and, and then, you know, we're off to, we're off to the races. But like you said, you don't know what he's got. You don't know what he's going to pull out. Uh, when I was up in New York, it was, and this was high 2018, 2019. I was up role-playing for the, the course that we all went to. And, uh, you know, I was walking through, I was walking right past Madison Square Gardens. And I told my guys, I was like, hey, I'd already walked through there, you know, the day before, two days before. I walked through there and I was not comfortable. And I, like I, most places in the States, I there are very few places I've been in the U.S. that have made me uncomfortable. Uh, I, I'll even walk, dude, I'll walk through West Baltimore with with zero issue because one, they're looking at you one of two things. They're like, that dude's crazy. Don't mess with him. Or that dude's a cop. Don't mess with him. Right. <laughs> yep. But I walked past Madison Square Gardens and you know, on the on the west side of it and I was seriously uncomfortable. I was like, man, I don't and I told my guys, I was like, don't send me back through there. Like I do not want to go through there. Well they sent me back through there. And literally as I'm, you know, going through there, there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of street cops. Or, you know, they've got some people hemmed up and there's, you know, a bunch of bums or, you know, yelling and shouting and everything. And what happened was somebody was walking, you know, some, one bum poked another bum with a needle. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, could you imagine getting poked with a needle by a bum anywhere, you know, anywhere in the, in the U.S.? But That'd like scary as hell, that dude, I would rather you pull out a knife and let's fight, like let's fist fight or something. Like getting poked with a needle, man. It's like, what do you have? What, dude? You could have hepatitis. You could have AIDS. Like, you, you, I mean, just a million things run through your mind. And so you don't know what these people have. You don't know what they're going to pull out. And like you say, you know, even if they don't pull out something, you know, they they have mental. You know, there's a mental condition. Um, you know, they they live on the streets. Uh, you don't know what they have. You start going even to fisticuffs with somebody, you know, you start blooding them up a little bit. Now you've got, now you've got that to deal with. I don't know what this person has, you know, now I've got to, you know, I've got their blood on my hands. If I got, you know, open cuts on my hands or whatever, like it's just, it's not a, uh, it's, it's just not a, not a good place to be. So yeah, I agree. I, you know, it, for all the listeners out there, listening to this, Go uh, give saying go. Uh, in fact, you know what? We'll, we'll put it up on on a blog on the website uh, after this. Give saying go. Get out there. You know, I mean, if it's twenty five bucks, it's twenty five bucks. As you know, that that all helps. As of this morning, it was a little over one point seven million that had been raised for uh, for Daniel Penny's defense. And you know, I, I read through some of the comments after I donated. You know, and some of the comments were were from women, you know, and they were they were like, hey, thank you so much for, you know, standing up 
you know, to, to you know, defend us. Cause I, and I'm not sure if it was a woman that he was, that, uh, he was, that's the guy who died, um, you know, was, was threatening or, or what, but yeah. Uh, if you, you guys, we'll post it up on the website and the, uh, in the blog and then we'll share it on, on social media. If you guys get a chance, go, uh, go donate, even if, you know, donate whatever you can, cause it's going, it's going to help. So, well, yeah, at least so. it's one piece of stress that's off his mind. I mean, you know, again, just the the mental stress uh, that he's going to be in, emotional stress he's going to go through here in the next couple months. But, you know, the other side, like you're saying, is the, the monetary fact, right? Like, dude, yeah. you know, I'm going to have some crappy public defender <laughs> get up there and try to yeah. cut a deal. <laughs> yeah. like, like, hey, man, 20 years uh, doesn't sound like a deal to me. You know, that's that's yeah. not what I want to do. No, he, I think he, he's definitely going to have, uh, you know, he's going to have adequate legal representation. If I was him, man, I'd be hiring, uh, I'd be going to hire Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyer and be like, Hey man, you busy? I got one <laughs> for you, man. And if I was Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyer, I would actually, I'd, I'd actually be reaching out to him and be like, Hey, let me know. Let me know if you, you know, let me know if you need me. Uh, so that's yeah. That, that'll be one burden off his mind is you know he he's got some he's got some cash for his for his legal defense uh, you know right now and that's gonna I think that's gonna continue to you know to grow so so that's good um, but these you know what people really need to focus on is these blue cities and not only the blue cities but anywhere that there is a Soros funded DA in in place you need to, you, you really need to be cognizant of where you're at and, you know, who, who is able to press charges and levy charges against you in, uh, in those, in those areas that, uh, that you either live in or that, uh, that you're traveling to because they're communists. All, every single one of them are communists. They want to, you know, they, they want to get rid of your ability to defend yourself for your ability to defend others. Uh, and they want you to be subservient to the, to the state. At, at the end of the day. So Luke, you good? You okay? Very angry good. right now. Very angry. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? <laughs> well, you guys, let's talk about something. Uh, sorry, I missed that, but I got to, I, I, we're trying to sell a house right now. Uh, we're, uh, you know, I'm trying to get rid of some of my slums, being a slum lord and everything. <laughs> and you guys know <laughs> selling a house, dude, is just not fun. It, it's never fun. It's not a pleasant experience. Uh, in my opinion. I haven't sold that many houses. And Josh, there goes Josh. He's leaving. But uh, he doesn't get to hear my rant. But, you know, so anyway, uh, we had our insurance come out to take a look at the roof, you know, because I've, I've had the same insurance company for 23 years now. Same insurance, same banking, everything. I, th- I feel I'm very loyal to them. And I know you guys have, have for the most part, turned, yep, you guys have, for the most part, turned your back on USAA. And I'm like, nah, I'm loyal. I'm loyal. And, uh, yeah, I just got off with the claims adjuster and the guy that came out to look at the roof, we were there while he was there. He was a very nice guy. He has nothing to do with USAA. They just farm that out to, you know, you know, roofing people. And basically the person, I, I'm not going to put that out there, but basically this guy said, there's nothing wrong with the roof. It's fine. And I'm like, uh, can we get that in writing? And he goes, well, I'd rather it come from USAA. And I was like, okay. Uh, he goes, but USA will give it to you. So I call USA after that. And cause he said, there's no damage, no claim, no nothing. And the, the lady at USA said, yeah, we can give that to you as soon as we get all the paperwork. Well, I just got off the phone with another adjuster who said that's proprietary information. We don't have to give that out. I was like, so you're telling me you're not going to give me information on my own roof, even though you have it. It's proprietary information. It sounds like you're choosing not to give it to me. And she's basically said, yes, that's right. 
And I was like, you know what? I have been because of you. And she's being rude and she was being short and she was trying to handle the situation. And I was caring. I was like, well, who's your manager? Who's your manager? I want to talk to the manager. Well, he's out of town until Wednesday. I was like, of course, of course he is. You can leave a message for him. And I'm like, you know what? I'm stupid like this. I'm considering what, 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 what other bank should I go with? Maybe a local bank, maybe put it back into Amarillo national bank or something like that. Credit yeah, union or credit union, something. Yep. I mean, I I've about had enough, you know, it's kind of a pain going to a different bank because you got to change all your auto drafts and all that stuff. But Hey bro, you know, we, all three of us have done that many times, haven't been in the military moving around and whatnot, but man, it's just, dude, I feel like I've been very loyal. I mean, what's the problem with giving me like the write up that that adjuster gave them? How is that? Propri- I don't understand. I mean, how does that harm them at all? I guarantee they could give that to me, but Dude, it is what it is. So I, I'm pretty upset. I, I think uh, I think I might turn my back on USAA. I think I may do that, even though for the most part they've been pretty good. But yeah, I went full Karen on her, man. I, I'm not, well, I mean, you're, you're so, the customer. So that's the that's the problem. Yeah. Is you're the customer. You know, it's your money. You're paying for the service. They're supposed to provide it to you. So not you know, it's not like you're asking for the crown jewel. So yeah, man. You know, and dude, I've done that. I, fortunately, as we get older, we get a little bit you know wiser sometimes and a little bit more uh a little more even keel whatever but i I definitely have gotten to the point now where i let my money talk for me and it's uh hey man southwest was especially when i'm the customer right or i'm the client when southwest crapped on me during all the the covid years or whatever cut them out you know and and you know what i I used to fly probably eight nine ten times a year so you know are they going to miss my couple dollars here and there no but at least i can choose not to fund them right i can choose not to fund their profits i can choose not to fund their their share prices and you know, I turned my back on Southwest, went over to American Airlines, turned my back on USAA, uh, and ended up going with Geico. So I mean, dude, I just let my money—I I let my money do the talking for me now. And it's uh, now, granted, like we said before, you can't turn your back on everything because otherwise you'd be naked sitting out in the middle of the woods. But those places where uh, I can find a comparable service, uh, and especially when I spend my money, and, and, and when you get to this time of year where it's tax time, which everybody loves. And it's like, okay, you just wrote your enormous check to the government as it is. And now these other people that I'm writing a check to want to treat me like crap when I'm the customer, this is my money. Yeah, dude, it pisses me off. It it actually, it it gets me fired up because the airline thing during COVID, you know, it was like, and even now they still do it. You know, if you want to wear a mask and da 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 da, but they were like, "Hey, you know, according to the you know the the federal mandate for mask wearing," I'm like, well, "Okay, well, there's like 374 other federal mandates. Are you going to read all those too, or, or no? Just just the mask one? You know, dude, it pisses me off. I, I hope we never go back to those uh, to those years again. But some states are, are are still in it, right? Some states are still in it. Yeah, it was horrible. Like customer service, like is just obviously is just awful. We were talking about it uh, this weekend when you get a decent server. You get a decent server these days. That's like a superstar nowadays. Like, and it's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. It's just service just sucks. And like this, this lady I was talking to, uh, Jennifer is her name. She wouldn't give me her last name because of course they're not required to, of course. But yeah, she was short, she was rude and she was at home and I could hear stuff going on in the background and it's Sunday at, you know, four o'clock on mother's day. It's like, really? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry you have to work on mother's day, but you know, it's just, it's awful, man. I mean, Josh, it, we, we've talked about it before, but is it us getting old and thinking it's not the good old days anymore? Is this just all in my head? And we're just, we're thinking it, it was actually better back then than it, than it actually was. 
or have things seriously fallen off? I think it's both. I think a part of that is, you know, like Roger said, we're older, we're a little smarter than we were, uh, you know, back in, uh, back in our youth. Uh, but things have absolutely fallen off. Things have absolutely fallen off. Uh, customer service isn't what it once was, you know, just, so we got a, we had, we got an electrical outlet installed in our garage so I could put a little TV in the garage so I could, you know, listen to music and listen to, you know, and then watch podcasts and, and stuff like that while I'm working out. And, uh, you know, I think Luke, Luke said it so I could, you know, keep up with Billy Blanks so I know which moves to do and, uh, and Sean T, um, you know, but it took me calling four different electricians to get out here to put that in. And then when I finally got one, the guy asked me if I had anything else. So he was like, well, is that it? I was like, well, yeah, that's all I need. It's a couple feet away from the electric box, you know, the, the breaker box that that's in the garage. I said, it's only like two feet away. So, and he was just like, well, I mean, I normally charge like 200 bucks to do that. He was like, but that's just a really small job that I'm just, you know, like one guy totally turned it down. Cause he's just, yeah, I'm not interested, man. It's only a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, well, I should give me a couple hundred bucks. Dude, a couple hundred bucks is a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> yep. I mean, I guess you're oh, okay. That wouldn't make a dent in your Pinto payment. Okay. It's it, customer service by and large, especially COVID destroyed it. COVID absolutely destroyed it. Uh, you know, we always make sure, especially when we get a good, you know, let's say, a, you know, a waiter or a waitress or, or whatnot, when we get good customer service in places that, you know, is, you know, tipping in as appropriate, like we tip, we tip really well because we want them to know, like, you are like, you're a hot commodity right now. Uh, you're, you know, you're head and shoulders above, above those that are out there. Um, but could you imagine 15 years ago, if, Somebody that you walked up to at a in a restaurant, you ordered your food at the counter, and they handed you your food, and then they spun something around and was like, "Put your tip here." How much are you going to tip? Fifteen years ago, what would you have done? You would have stared finger <laughs> exactly. You would have been like, "I'm sorry, what?" But you didn't do all. You did was your job. That was it. Like you didn't, you know, it, it just. That part, that's new. That's only the last, you know, a couple of years. It's not, it's, it's definitely not just us uh, entirely. It, things have changed. And then, you know, like Roger said, you know, we become smarter. The USA thing though, dude, go find a local credit union. Go find a local credit union, a local bank, and, you know, start start shifting your stuff over there. It is a, it is a colossal pain in the ass for sure, without a doubt. Um, but you know, like Roger said, those things that you can affect those things that you can do. Yeah. You can't cancel everything. Cause you know, you, you will be sitting, you know, naked out in the middle of the woods No, but those things you can affect, like who you banked with, uh, and stuff. Absolutely. And USAA, it, it's not going to make a dent in them. They're not going to go under because, you know, because Josh Roger and Luke, you know, moved their $10,000 401ks out from, you know, from them and put them <laughs> somewhere else. But it, it, it is one of those things, man. It's like, I'm not going to give people my money f- for them to turn around and treat me like shit. Right. It, it, I'm not going to thank my kidnappers for letting me go. It's just, 
That's kind of how I look at it. Uh, and USA has been going downhill. And there's actually, dude, there's actually a couple people on Twitter, the uh, accounts that I follow, that they here in the last two weeks, USAA denied one of their claims, like a big claim, their house burned down. And USA denied it, and they called USA out on Twitter, and they're like, "Why did you deny this? There was zero reason." Even the, uh, you know, even the the fire department came back, and whatever it was, it was, you know, they they weren't liable for it and and stuff. And, but USA was like, "Yeah, we're denying that claim, and this is an active duty military person." And you're like, "That's your base." USA made that their base, active duty military, and then after you know veterans. And, and retirees, you made that your base and then you're going to turn and you're going to shit on your base. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, maybe they're taking a card. I don't know. Maybe their new, uh, you know, their public relations manager is the one that Bud Light let go. I don't know, but you probably shouldn't alienate your base with, with, with nonsense a lot uh, about like that insurance dude, USAA, their insurance. So we have, so our youngest finally got her learner's permit, bro. Our oldest, she's, you know, obviously full on driver. She had her first fender bender. Um, and holy cow, our six month premium. Wow. It's a big, it's a mortgage payment. It is absolutely crazy. And USA is like, oh, well, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing more we can do. And like you, it's like, bro, we've been a customer for over 20 years. And there's, and this is the only thing on there. And there's nothing more you can do. Not a problem. I'll go find somebody else. Because at the end of the day, I got other bills to pay. Did you go with the general? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fly by night. For the, yeah, we we found some insurance company down on Murchison Road in Fayetteville uh, in a in a single wide trailer. Uh, no, <laughs> no um, we're slowly you know we're slowly switching over. Farm Bureau, uh, you know, had some had some decent rates, and then you know taking a look at some of the local banks and credit unions. Um, you know, again, man, I, I, I'm all for going going back local and the more and more stuff that we do, even, you know, purchasing stuff, like really trying to, you know, try trying to buy local as much as as much as we can and stay away from the box stores, you know, when when we can to um, it's just we found it's just, you know, better. You're going to pay a little bit more in some instances, but I'd rather support somebody local than a, than a big box store, you know, whether I'm buying, you know, furniture, you know, arts and crafts type stuff or ammunition or, you know, stuff like that. So Luke, I want to kick it over to you. You, you were talking about communism. So you want to go into a little bit of background as far as the conversations you had and, and well, I, I kind of want to kick this almost straight to Josh. Um, yeah, just some some weird conversation. I think that people don't understand uh, communism. Uh, you've heard the argument. I've heard it over the years quite a bit. Well, Jesus was a communist. Well, and this is where I want to kick it kick it to Josh because, again, because uh, Josh has, has a way of, of breaking these things down. But I do think it's important because Josh uh, uh, says quite often, you know, the only good commie is a dead commie. You know, and th- that Polish guy. A Polish special forces dude who said, you know, he had like 470 confirmed kills, but that's not on his conscience because he's never killed a human being. He's only killed communists. And I think it's important for people to understand exactly what communism is. And we could get into the Jesus was a communist thing. But what I was trying to explain to someone was, look, if a city, you know, a small town wanted to 
live like communists, like live in a commune, it can work. It can work. It's going to be difficult. It can work, but it does not scale. It does not scale. You scale it uh, into a into a nation, it can't work. It doesn't work. So, Josh, I'm going to kick it to you. You could give us like maybe just if you don't want to do it, that's cool. We can just talk about it. But I was I was hoping that you would kind of give a breakdown of of actual communism and and what it means. I mean, are you prepared to do that off the top of your dome, or or do you want me to give it a stab? Yeah. No, I can. I, I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll give it a go here because you know when you when you punch that in uh, to the to the chat the other day, I was like, yes, yes, uh, absolutely. So I jotted down a few notes, um, you know, because obviously this is something that <clears throat> we talk about a lot, and I despise. And you know, you you mentioned the uh, I can't remember. Man, I w- really wish I could remember his name right now. It's Raphael, you know. And then there's something, you know, something, something, something. Ski is the uh, Polish guy you referenced. You know, when they asked him, they're like, how does it feel to kill people? And he's like, I don't know. I've only ever killed communists. And uh, I remember growing up, you know, my dad being like, communists aren't real people. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, so I'll take a stab at it real quick. Um, some of the notes that I kind of jotted down just, you know, kind of take a stab at it. Communism, it, it fails on both the moral and in the material level. And you're right. It, you know, some, some small neighborhood some small village some small town wanted to do it, it they, they could do it uh, to you know to an extent but it, it, it truly doesn't scale you know you know for for a number of reasons and i'll just touch on a touch on a few and i'll try and frame this uh quickly and uh and kick it over to roger but when you look at communism in its pure form is the state controls everything. So the state controls the means of production. They control everything. And there's no religion. There are no religious institutions, period. Uh, you know, if you go back and you look at right after the, uh, the right after Lenin came to power, after the Bolshevik revolution, there were 40, there were over 40,000 places of worship uh, within what was, uh, you know, now, what, what was now, what is now Russia, but, you know, then later became the Soviet Union. When in 1939, 1940, there were about maybe a couple hundred because communism and religion cannot coexist because, you know, there there's a utopia that is achieved by communism and that is the utopia you have to believe in. You can't believe in the utopia of heaven. You can't believe in the ut- utopia of sitting at the throne, sitting beside the throne. Um, you know, and even Marx, you know, and I use opium because that's where you know, how Marx put it, you know, that communism is, quote, the opium of the people, not religion. So when you look at when you look at take a look at, you know, w- pick a communist country at the beginning, you know, societies, they all they all rest their hopes on the altruism of individuals who will sacrifice their individual needs for the good of the people. All right. That, that is the, that is the crux uh, of communism. And it's a critical piece of any communist society, but it doesn't work because there has to be independent and external criticism. All right. Because that's how you recognize, Hey, this is wrong. This needs fixing. Something's not, this is not working. We need to shift over here. Hey, you know, this, this project is priority. This is that, but with communism, you don't have that. It's non-existent. 
and you know, let's say the central committee or the committee, whoever, whatever model you're using, they have to have that to detect the errors. And the moral demands on an individual to be the monitor of their own activity is is, is too much. Uh, when you talk talking about the objectivity of it, it's not beyond the scope of every person, but it's a it's a burden for for many. And expecting people to monitor themselves, and I would say not only in communist societies, but any society where you know those who want to cheat, those who want to you know ignore the rules, can get ahead. It that almost always means that the 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 sludge, the dross, if you will, is going to rise to the top. All right, sorry, Macho Man. Hey, the cream doesn't always rise to the top. Uh, if anybody saw my meme on the uh, Book of Faces the other day, so but for criticism to be effective, it must be outside the organization and outside of its control. Which, when the state controls everything, you you don't have that in a in a communist com- country, and you're not able. They're not able to course correct in a communist society because a failure of a part means that the it's a failure of the whole, and. Since communism is a utopia, there can't be failure. If there's failure, then now it's it's fallible and it destroys the it destroys the system. Well, when you don't course correct that failure, it it it, it basically it infects a whole system, and you know, and then once once it does, it's like a cancer. It it, it kills it kills the host. What's what's really ironic though is that when you talk about that. And you talk about communism, you know, it's a, it's basically a political economy. All right. That's, that, that's what it is because, you, you know, every aspect of the economy is controlled by the state and what was supposed to alter human relations from selfish isolation to altruism, it winds up creating capitalism as people have to defend, they, they have to fend for themselves and they ultimately drive individuals further from the state. And that's just, it's just that's why communism has never worked anywhere in the world at scale for an extended period of time. That's the best way I know how to put it, you know, based off on just a quick, you know, a few quick readings um, of, uh, of what I did and just kind of a couple of bullet points that I, that I wrote down. So Roger, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? So, it, it, and we've talked about this before when we were discussing like socialism and communism and, and other forms of government, but it's all about economic inputs and outputs and, and who owns that. Okay. And, and with communism, much like what Josh said, the, the state, the government, the controlling party uh, owns all the economic inputs and outputs. And, and one of the big differ, you know, the differences between communism and socialism is the owning of property, right? Which in communism, you don't own, the individual has no right to, to ownership of anything. Okay. It's that the collective, the, the main thing with, well, there's several things. One with communism, they don't take into account just human factor. You know, it's the human factor. It's, Hey, some people are lazy. Some people are hard workers. Some people are in between. Uh, you can't support communism, uh, you know, and account for the human factor because people are going to get tired of pulling other people's weight, much like we see already here in the country. The other thing that you're looking at is an ex- it stifles innovation. There is a lack of innovation uh, because you don't have that, you know, nothing is merit-based at the point. There is no will to succeed, right? There's no will to, there's no drive to do better. Because everybody's going to have the same, everybody's going to eat the same, everybody's going to work the same. So why am I working any harder? Why am I coming up with a better way to do this? 
Okay. And, and actually when that happens, uh, you, you actually start to destroy communism, right? Uh, what's, what's pretty interesting though with communism is, and this is up for debate. I mean, Luke, you might have some, some more insight to this, but you know, generally speaking, it is mutually exclusive, uh, when it comes to religion, religion and, and communism are, are mutually ex- exclusive. And it's, and it's kind of interesting, you know, I've got my own thoughts on it. What I've read a lot is that, well, it's because the way Karl Marx and his idea was, well, the state becomes the religion. So it's not really that it's mutually exclusive, but the state is now the religion. And then my own personal belief, you know, and I think there's some readings that, that support this as well, but, you know, and I guess kind of goes along with that, that theory is that communism relies on everybody accepting the state as the supreme being, as the leader. Uh, and obviously if you have, uh, you know, any type of religion where, you know, you believe in, you know, Christ or a God or, or something else, uh, that supersedes the, you know, the government. Um, that's my own personal thought on that. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, there, you can go through a million, you know, a million examples of why communism doesn't work, but it's the human factor. And then it comes down to the fact that the ruling party is not ruling uh, and this goes to the human factor as well, is not ruling for the betterment of the people, okay, or the general welfare of the people. The ruling party is trying to stay in power, and that's what happens, and that goes back to that human factor. It's not like, you know, and, and both of you said in smaller groups, yeah, you could probably get away with it, but I'd even argue that I don't even know how long that would be sustainable. Now, yeah, you could probably do it for a couple years, um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, man, the people that are in power, the people that are in control, because somebody has to be in control, Right. Somebody has to be in charge. Uh, somebody has to discipline. Somebody has to enforce the laws and this and that. But all they end up doing is, again, the human factor. They do what they got to do to stay in control. They get they do what they got to do to stay in power and they stay in power and stay in control by censoring, by controlling all the media, controlling all the information and then controlling the economic inputs and outputs uh, of that society and then controlling the people and their freedoms. You know, and at that point, it's not doing it because, oh, I'm making life better for Luke. I'm making life better for our little utopia. It's no, I'm making life better for me and I'm making sure that my party stays in power. Yeah, uh, good, good, good rundown on those. I'll kind of dovetail in on with a little thing, a little couple little points that you guys have kind of already made, but it's kind of the way I see it anyway. If, you know, communism goes all the way back to the 1840s, I believe was when they people first started kind of talking about it and it it's all based on capitalism being such a crappy system uh and and we've got to figure out a way to get around this because like honestly you know back in the day <laughs> there, there were some problems with capitalism man you know there there were some problems i mean i'm not a big union guy uh but i am a big uh not big but i i do support a lot of labor laws right to keep these corporations in check, like unchecked, it can take advantage of the little guy. It absolutely can. I think all three of us at some point have been taken advantage of, which kind of, I was thinking about something. It's like, uh, I was thinking about Marx's uh, quote from each according to his ability to each according to his needs, right? It's like, that is so vague. It's so vague. What is ability? You know, Roger, Roger was saying earlier, there are lazy people and there are hard workers. And all three of us, I think we've talked about it, maybe not on the podcast before, but especially for the government, if you are a performer, they're going to take everything they possibly can for you. They're going to give you more and more and more and more responsibility if you're competent and if you're good at your job. 
right? So I'm not saying that's taking advantage of somebody, but it does kind of suck, right? Because the lazy guy or, or the person who's not a performer, they get paid the same amount as you, you know, but you're, you're driven to perform and therefore you get more responsibility, more time away from your family, more time on the job, things like that. So it does kind of suck, but that, you know, that's what you signed up for. But yeah, there's, there's differences. So I just hate that quote from each according to his ability. What does that even mean? Ability. So what? You're, the state's going to get hard work out of some people and no work out of others, but everybody's going to get according to their own needs. Well, who decides? Who decides what people's needs are? Who decides what their abilities are? Well, you guys both said it. It's the state. But the problem with, and it all stems from Marxism, like, Mar well, Leninism and Marxism, uh, you know, all of this, you know, uh, the Maoism, uh, Trotskyism, all that stuff is based around, you know, the beginnings where Marx and Lenin were kind of duking it out with their, with their ideologies. Uh, well, well, not, not physically, but when Lenin was like, well, there's certain problems, but they all agree on one thing. Communism requires that the system is in a constant state of revolution. There has to be a continuous revolution, right? Uh, it doesn't always have to be violent, but the little guy's always going to get, you know, downtrodden. So it, there has to be revolution. You guys both hit it when you said, Josh said it, you know, well, it's utopia, right? Well, now those, like Roger was saying, now those are those who rose to power are now in power. So we have achieved this utopia. No more revolution anymore, people, because we've achieved it. So it's a perverted system on its face. It just, it does not work. But also by the same token, you know, capitalism's not perfect either. There have to be certain checks and balances on it. The difference between uh, communism and capitalism is capitalism has proven to work. I think it's actually the natural state of things. Uh, but, you know, somebody's always want to always want to ruin the party for everyone else. But, you know, you, you Marx is, is an interesting dude because he was a rich kid. But he I think his, his father owned factories, uh, textile factories, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But he, he never really had to work a day in his life, but he did see the plight of the working class back in the day, you know, and it wasn't, it was the, 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 uh, the conditions were grim, you know, the conditions for the Chinese building the railroads out in the West were grim, right? But did it take communism to solve all of that, especially in Western Europe? No, it didn't. It did not take communism. Communism did not solve it for them. You know what did solve it? The market and this natural progression of things. If you look at the big picture, you know, any corporation, especially now that's truly going to take advantage of its employees, is probably not a long term corporation anymore. You know, it's all about recruiting. It's all about, you know, bringing in the best people. And again, any company that is going to take advantage of the working class, the proletariat, uh, is probably not long for this world because it's just not going to get any employees anymore. Uh, you know, Bezos, uh, you know, Bezos, uh, Roger's a big Bezos guy. You know, y'all remember a few years ago where everything started coming out of the conditions and all these Amazon, you know, shipping centers and all this stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, I was reading the stories. I'm like, yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty bad. What happened? And, and Bezos was getting some bad press. What happened? The conditions aren't bad, aren't as bad anymore. He still works them to death, but the conditions aren't as bad. So I, I think these things have a natural way of working themselves out. But yeah, communism is dangerous. And Josh, you didn't really say why. Uh, and maybe you did. I, I didn't pick up on it. But you gave a really good uh, history and overview. But I'm going to kick it back to you real quick. Uh, I'll, I'll save my comments because I think you'll you'll cover them. But why is it so dangerous? And why is the only good like 
true commie a dead commie? Why is the only good true commie a dead commie? Like, why do we hold such hate and we just despise it? I, I say it's dangerous, but I'll let you, I'll let you. Uh... I look at it as, you know, the, the only good commie is a dead commie. And it's, you know, that's why it, it, I'll, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. And we've talked about it before. You know, I mean, I grew up, you know, 80s kid, like literally I wore out the VHS tape with Red Dawn on it. Uh, you know, the original Not That Shitty remake. And it was better dead, you know, because I was definitely a better dead than red, uh, you know, guy, uh, you know, kid, kid growing up. Um, but at the end of the day, the, it, because the com- they're leeches, they're leeches. Like Roger pointed out, there are, you know, there are lazy people. And it's when you look at it across the board, whether it's whether it's market marks and you're right. His dad was was a textile factory owner. Uh, you know whether you wh- whether it's Marx or whether it's Beto or Bernie Sanders. You look at the people who preach communism. They are the people who grew up a privileged life. They've never had to put in a hard day's work. They do not know what it's like to sweat for a paycheck. They don't. But they will be the they're the first ones demanding that you give up half of what you own because, you know, you've made enough. And those people, those people are leeches. But more, you know, to to further that is when you look at the hundreds of millions of people who have been killed under the name of communism, whether that be, you know, whether that be hard workers, whether that be people who question them, whether that be the the religious clergy that Stalin had shipped off and, you know, either put in the labor camps in Siberia or murdered or, you know, just straight murdered. Communists have no conscience. Uh, you know, anyone who dare question their utopia, anyone who, you know, works harder than them or maybe a threat to them, they simply have them killed. And they simply do away with them. And that's why communi- communism is a cancer. And that is why, you know, the, the Red Scare from the end of World War II until the wall came down. And I would even say after the wall came down, because we all talk about, you know, the Cold War ended in, uh, in 1991. Uh, well, nobody told Russia that. And nobody, and, and, and nobody, nobody told nobody told China that communism was dead and over. Uh, even China, you know, their government's communist, but their their economy has taken a more capitalist route because even China realized, okay, we can't we can't do communism purely because it just it doesn't work. Like you said, it doesn't scale, and it, you know, an uh, economy China side, it just it, it, it wouldn't scale. Um, so I, that is why I abhor communism so much is because, you know, the three of us and a lot of our listeners, I'd say almost all of our listeners, uh, you know, and, and it just, a, a lot of other Americans, we go out every day and there's some days where, yeah, we might not work a lot. There, there, there are those days where like, Hey, I'm going to go fishing. 
I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to work from my camper and, you know, throw some lures in the lake and catch some bass. And there's some days where I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go play golf. Or there's some days where, yeah, the wife and I are going to go out to brunch later this morning. But there's a lot of days, man. Hey boss, if you're listening, I don't do any of that stuff. I, I work, I work, <laughs> I work it to the bone. I know. <laughs> but there, there, there are more days than those where we work our asses off. We work our asses off. We make a lot of sacrifices. So at the end of the day, we can retire. At some point, we can say, "I'm done working," and I'm going to enjoy the time I have left. And along comes. These individuals with, you know, this Marxist ideology, Leninist ideology, and say, hey, you owe me half of what you worked hard for. And they're leeches. That's all they are. They're leeches. And that's why I'm a firm believer that the only good communist is a dead communist, because you're a leech on society. You know, and unions, I hold a lot of scorn for unions by and large because I saw what unions did. Everybody saw what unions did in 2008, 2009 to Detroit when times got really bad and, the, you know, the Motor City went under. Union bosses took those union dues and they left. Those union workers were left out on their asses to fend for themselves drinking contaminated water in Flint. Michigan, right? And union bosses weren't anywhere to be found. And, you know, unions, for me, my opinion, is unions cease to be relevant with the establishment of OSHA and the federal minimum wage. And you can go back and, you you know, Teddy Roosevelt was obviously one of the big drivers at the, you know, at, at the turn of the century with, we should not have nine-year-old kids working in meatpacking plants we shouldn't have people working 20 hour days, you know, falling into, you know, vats of acid and stuff like that. Like that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, yes, like, you know, people can't capitalism, you know, can get carried away. It's not perfect. Uh, but the establishment of OSHA and the federal minimum wage solved a lot of that. Now, come along, you, you know, you reference Amazon. Amazon, absolutely. You know, it's like you got what they were only giving them minutes for a bathroom break or something crazy like that. Like, yeah, that's nuts. Right. But it fixed itself. And at the end of the day, there's those workers have a choice. You can turn around. You can go to the news. You can go you can go and air your company's dirty laundry and say, hey, look, this is what's going on here. And it's not right. And especially in today's social justice world, that should generally get fixed pretty quick, like you said. And, you know, they did fix it. Yeah, he still works them. He still works Amazon hard. But they get paid very well as well. And at the end of the day, in a communist society, you don't have the choice. If you work at the steel mill, you're going to go work at the steel mill no matter how much you hate it. In a capitalist society... You don't like Amazon. You don't like the fact that they only give you a 30-minute unpaid lunch every day. You can quit and go find a new job that has the benefits that you want. You want an hour lunch every day? Well, go find you a job that gives you an hour lunch every day. You don't have that choice in a communist country, in a communist economy. You don't. So is capitalism error-free? Is it perfect? No. Is it better than communism? Hell yeah. 
because like you said, our abilities, you know, there's, there, there's hard workers and there's people who don't work hard. I work hard for what I got and what I got is mine. If I choose to share it with someone, that's my choice, but it damn sure shouldn't be mandated by anyone other than me. Yeah. So that's my, that's my take on why I think communists should be dead and communism is a cancer. <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. There is no freedom with, with communism, period. There is no freedom. And as history has shown, uh, you know, Cambodia, China, Poland, they will kill you. That's it. I mean, there's no individual freedom and they will kill you. When you talk about capitalism, the funny thing with capitalism, and, and this is, and we've, you know, we discussed this a little bit previously, but that's the whole point of federal regulations, right? Federal regulations are, are there to level the playing field. But the unique thing about capitalism is the more successful capitalism becomes, much like what Luke and Josh said, it fixes itself, right? Because that's what happens. As a company, when you, when you start out and you're grinding, yeah, you're working 20-hour days or whatever. That's just the way it is. That's the nature of the beast. But again, this is, this is purely, uh, you know, I want to succeed. I have the drive and the motivation, dedication, determination to succeed uh, as well as the employees of that company. Now, as that company becomes more successful and as my skill set increases, I become more valuable, I now hold more of the power because, like Josh said, I can leave. Okay, I can better myself and, and I can go take my skills somewhere else. What you're seeing right now in the labor market, I, mean, I don't know how many of the folks out there that listen to us, you know, are in the hiring or recruiting sectors, but dude, it's tough. The labor market is tough right now. And, and, and I'm tough as from a hiring perspective because we're having to pay so much. You know, you're really having to pay a lot more or for less talent, right? Uh, and again, it's, it's kind of like a rubber band. Things will go a little bit too far and you hope they snap back somewhere in the middle. But that's the whole point of, of capitalism and federal regulations is just to create that level playing field. And the more successful you become, uh, it tends to work itself out. You know, when you get to the, uh, well, I, I guess I say it tends to work itself out. I mean, I, I, you could make that argument and look at uh, Anheuser-Busch, you know, I don't know how that's going to work itself out with, with Bud Light and all that stuff. You know, they're already talking about sales being down, you know, several billion dollars or whatever, but you know, generally speaking, as you continue to grow, um, you answer to the market, you know, you answer to the people, you answer to the consumer, and they will determine, uh, you know, how long you stay in business by buying your product or not. And you as a company will make that determination whether, hey, we're going to adapt uh, and, and, and overcome, right, and adjust our marketing strategies, adjust the way we do business, adjust how we pay, how much we pay, what kind of benefits we offer. You know, I can tell you now, most companies now are having to offer way more in benefits uh, than they did four or five years ago. Okay. That's the market adjusting itself. It, it, it will make its own corrections. Right. But at the end of the day, when you talk about back to Luke's original question with, uh, you know, why is it so dangerous? Because they will kill you. That is the end result of that. Okay. If there's any dissonance that they will kill you, but I do want to ask Luke, uh, and I don't know if you want to go how deep in this you want to go, but so, so what stir, what spurred this whole conversation anyway? I mean, you, you kind of threw it out there yesterday saying you wanted to talk about communism. So what, what actually brought this up? Oh, well, we were actually, you know, what brought it up was I was talking to a couple of family members and one family member was saying something. I just was talking, well, not necessarily about communism, but was, was talking about um, corporate pay, right? Uh, I think the three of us know, know some people that are high up in a, in the corporate world, a few people and, you know, they, they get paid handsomely. And 
it boiled down to me defending certain uh, people in the C-suite getting paid what they get paid. Uh, and he was just like, well, and this, this, this guy I was talking to is a, a kind of a dyed in the wool capitalist. I mean, he's, he's been really good with his money. He's, um, uh, you know, he's been successful throughout his life and he's older, but the stuff he was saying, I was like, man, you sound like a communist the way you're talking. And I had to break it down to him. Why, uh, like in the military, for instance, why an officer gets paid more than an enlisted person. Sure. Enlisted are the ones that, you know, cause he was like, well, you know, bonuses, he was like, especially bonuses should be, you know, kind of prorated down the line. And that's not that I necessarily disagree with that, but what I, what I said is like, if you're, if you're working for a company, I'm trying to break this down. I wish y'all could have been there. Cause it was, it was so, it was kind of crazy. And my daughter actually said, I went a little over the top, uh, talking to this family member because he's quite a bit older than I am and definitely wiser, but I was just kind of breaking it down. Like, look, if I am in charge of a team, okay. And that team is comprised. I work for a corporation and I'm an employee of the corporation, but my team is comprised of, let's say contractors, for instance, that contractor, yeah, they answer to me, but they're not my employee. They're the employee of a contract company. Now, the contractors may put in all the work and they may come up with a great idea that's going to make my corporation a lot of money. Well, guess what? That contractor does not get a bonus from our company. Maybe there's something, maybe they do. I don't know. But th that contractor is there to do a certain job. You know, they sign a dotted line to do that particular job. That's what they're getting paid. Now, I get to take the credit for that. I send it up to the company, make the company a billion dollars, and I get a cut of that. And I get paid handsomely. The contractor doesn't. I was explaining it to, to him that way. And then it also went to, you know, of course, that's not the case, you know, everywhere. You know, most of the time they're not contractors. They'll be employees of the company. But they are in their position to do a certain job. Should they get rewarded if they do something right? Absolutely. But you're the one that the executive is the one managing the team. The executive is the one making the hard decisions. The executive is the one, they give it to the executive so that, you know, he, he or she can put it out there to actually, for the, the workers to actually execute the plan. And I was explaining, you know, why officers get paid more than enlisted. And, you know, we, we all three know that. And I think our, our audience is, is pretty uh, familiar with why that is. It's because the officers are the ones truly with all the responsibility. Their name is on the blame line. And I asked, I asked my daughter as, as an officer, I was like, which do you think is easier to take an order or to give an order? Think about that for a second. When it comes to, you know, storming that pillbox, is it easier to take that order and charge the hill or is it, or, or is it harder to take the order? Well, it might get you killed. Sure. That's a hard thing, but all you're doing is taking the order, giving that order, knowing that people are going to get killed. I think that's harder. There's more thought that has to go into that. That's why officers and CEOs in a lot of cases, you know, and, and people high up the corporate chain make more money. So I was just like, you know, it sounds, it sounds very communist. What you're saying is the people on the ground are the ones who should be getting paid, you know, the millions of dollars and the people in the C-suite should just be getting, you know, a living wage. It's like, well, it's just not, that's not capitalism. You know, I mean, it's just not. Um, now it's not, and again, like, like we've said, it's not a perfect system, right? It's not. You know, the, the banking crisis and all that stuff, you know, when, it, when, when, the, when the market fell, you know, the housing crisis, I should say, uh, and all those guys got those huge bonuses, you know, for Goldman Sachs, or not Goldman Sachs, but like JP Morgan and all that. I mean, yeah, there's, there's always going to be problems. But also there's a reason those guys, a lot of those people got those bonuses. 
Because in a few cases, you know, they, they, if you've seen the movie, oh God, I can't even remember it, but it's about the housing crisis. It's not the big short. It's a, it's another one. But uh, a few of these CEOs saw it coming and actually kept those banks, kept the situation from being even worse than it was by screwing other banks. So it's like, well, they, they did their job. You know, <laughs> I mean, it sucks, but they did do their job. So it was just, it was a, yeah, it was a discussion. Then somebody, some, another family member said, well, you know, Jesus was a communist. I was like, nah, 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 no, not really. Because communism is a, you, you're, you're shoehorning something in, you know, the, the philosophies that Jesus uh, taught. Communism has nothing to do with that because communism is an ideology and it's a political system and it's a form of government. It's, it's those three things. And Jesus, uh, yeah, uh, wasn't about a form of government at all. Uh, the teachings of Jesus have nothing to do with government whatsoever, nothing. And that's, what's dangerous. That's even, it's so dangerous when people say that and people actually believe it because if there's one thing I believe, it's not that religion has caused more wars than anything in human history. I don't think that's true. I think it's partially true. It's when religion is injected into government that's caused the wars every time. And that's why I think when people say, well, Christianity and communism go perfect together, it's like that's dangerous because now you're saying that a certain form of religion should be a system of government. And what's another religion that's like that? Islam. Islam is, you know, the Old Testament. Now we're getting into church stuff, you know, religion. But the Old Testament was a system of government for the Israelites. That's that's how they they, you know, they had their... It started out with judges, and then they moved on to kings, you know, they, and prophets were, you know, uh, mixed in there. But there are entire books that lay out how your people, your country, should be run. And this is the day before there were borders or anything. It was just the Israelites. But with a, with a, uh, with a new law, it's not a system of government. Whereas Islam is like the old law, the old law, you know, of, of Judaism. That is a system of government. That's how you run a government. Everything is very clearly laid out. So I, do, I definitely don't like it when people try to say, well, you know, Christianity and communism go well together. You know, it does go well together, Josh. Actually, I can't remember who I had this discussion with. Uh, but Christianity and actually Buddhism go well together. Zen Buddhism and Christianity, you can actually be both. It's, it's, a, it's, it's they have Phil uh, Jackson, uh, famous coach Phil Jackson was a Christian, a Zen Christian. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, because Buddhism doesn't, you don't have to deny the Christ to be a Buddhist at all. All you're doing is seeking enlightenment with uh, with Buddhism. So they do go well together, I think. Huh. I didn't I didn't know that. Learn something new every day. I Buddhism is something obviously, you know, raised as a Christian, uh, you know, read a lot of, you know, Christianity and you know, the Bible and stuff like that. Read it obviously, you know, being in the military for so long and spent a lot of time in the Middle East, read a lot on Islam and, and everything, but I've really never dove into, uh, into Buddhism and, and the belief structure and, you know, what, what goes, what goes into that. So that's on my, uh, so I'll definitely add that to my, to my list. Uh, yeah, the communist thing to, to close, you know, to, to close out my, uh, yes, to, to close out my comments on, on, on communism for those, not anybody that listens to our podcast, I can assure you, uh, because communists don't listen to us because they hate us, uh, and and the left, <laughs> who I truly believe are, are communists, 
because they want to continue to grow the government. Uh, and I'll include anybody on the right who wants to continue and grow the government. You're communists at heart is, uh, you know, it, so I remember, and, and I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't know it until, until years and years and years later when I really started caring about this stuff and reading it. Uh, cause in 1989, I was still in middle school and I didn't care. You know, I just wanted to play with GI Joe toys and, you know, watch, watch Red Dawn again. I didn't know that Boris Yeltsin had visited the Johnson Space Center there, the South, Southeast of Houston, I believe, uh, you know, and while he visited the Johnson Space Center, he was taken to a grocery store and Luke, I'm not sure if Randall's is a Texas grocery store or it's just like a Houston area thing or, or not, but the grocery store was named Randall's. And they they took him there. And Boris Yeltsin, at the time, the Soviet premier, was amazed at the grocery store. He was amazed at the choices that Americans had in a grocery store. Think about how many times you go to a grocery store in a week. Think about how many times you've ever been in a grocery store. We take that for granted in this country. You walk into a grocery store and you expect things you want to be on the shelves. All right. If you want a certain brand, you may have to go to, you know, a different grocery store chain than, than the other one or whatever. But when you walk in a grocery store, I know I can reasonably get A, B, and C. All right. Well, you know, COVID, COVID, COVID notwithstanding, uh, you know, Boris Shelton even made the com- he made the comment that if Russian citizens saw this and knew that this is what Americans had the options for every day, he said, "quote There would be a revolution just because of our grocery stores, our grocery stores that we walk into every day and take for granted." He made the comment that not even the Politburo and Gorbachev at the time had that amount of options because people in communist Russia, Soviet Union at the time, literally had to stand in line for bread, the basics, right? The staples. But yet here he was walking through a grocery store, one grocery store on the Southeast side of Houston and just outside of Houston, right? How many grocery stores in the United States? I don't even know. Hundreds of thousands, gotta be hundreds of thousands. And here, the the Soviet premier is walking through a grocery store and is amazed. And he even asked a grocery store manager if he had to have like some special education to be a grocery store manager. And the guy was like, "Nah, bro. Like you just you just <laughs> order. Hey, this sells a lot of this sells a lot. So I'm gonna order more of this because I know I'm gonna sell it. Right? Order the sugar cere- sugary cereal for the kids, and order apples and you know carrots. Like those are gonna sell. And What's up, Luke? Here's something surprising. I would have agreed with you <clears throat> on the hundreds of thousands. I, I just looked this up real quick. And this this may be like bigger grocery stores. It may not include, you know, uh, like an actual dollar general where you can pick up enough staples to actually eat. But 63,348 supermarkets, supermarkets within the United States, um, that's an estimate, obviously, 
but that's still a lot. Oh no shit. Yeah, it's a ton. So, but huh. he, uh, to your Yelton story, I I, I remember uh, I either saw a documentary or read a uh, article or book about it. His people were telling him afterward that those were that was a uh, state for him. Uh, like Potemkin villages, you know, they, they used to do that. Yeah. Uh, there's a Potemkin village in North Korea where they make it look like what a, what they think a city should look like, but you know, it's just all a show. And uh, I think it was for some Catherine, somebody who was uh, sailing down the Danube uh, back in the day. Uh, they were, you know, her staff basically ordered all the, all the cities and villages they'd passed to put up, you know, uh, fake buildings so she yeah. would see her kingdom as something great. So they were telling Yeltsin, no, no, that was all staged. That was all staged. And Yeltsin did, he was like, no, this is, this is how it is here. <laughs> this is kind of crazy. Yeah. But who, which president Josh was it that, uh, when it, I don't even remember who it was, it was it, uh, uh, Andropov or who was it that when they visited the United States, they wouldn't let him go to Disneyland. Uh, I can't remember who that was. If it was what year? What year was it? I think it was the sixties, seventies, sixties or seventies. It was either Nixon or somebody. But one of the Soviet premiers came over here and was hoping to get to go to Disneyland, and they wouldn't let him yeah. go to Disneyland. If it was the well, I mean, if it was the seventies, it would. Yeah, I was about to say if it was seventies, it was probably Khrushchev. But because Gorbachev came in, Gorbachev was what early eighties, eighty, yeah, seventy nine, eighty. Yeah, he was in the eighties, I believe. Well, he was in the eighties. Yeah, so they kind of coincided yeah, yeah. with Ronald Reagan. Yeah, when he came in. Yeah, when he came into office. Yeah, it had to be. I was about to say it was Khrushchev. Um, there they went to go to Disneyland. It was funny. So you talk about the Yeltsin thing, thinking that it was staged. Uh, the rest, because Yeltsin, that wasn't his only visit, was to the Johnson Space Center. You know where they 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 put on a show for him. Uh, but they took him to Miami. I think it was he went to Florida afterwards, and it might have been. I don't. know, It might have been Cape Canaveral to see the other piece of uh of nasa there um but they're like no no man yeah because you know you bring up the part that you thought was these are like no we'll take you to another grocery store right now and it's it's the same it's a grocery store and they even describe yeltsin yeltsin as despondent after he visited that grocery store because he realized at that point that there was no way that communism was the answer he knew that there was they like like we can't live like we're living in the Soviet Union, standing in, you know, in, in, in bread lines for, you know, stale bread and borscht into boiled, you know, beets. Like we can't, we can't do it. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, hey, man, capitalism isn't perfect, uh, but but communism is immoral on on every level, and it just it it, it doesn't scale. And the people who want communism and the people who are like, oh, well, real communism has never been tried. It has been tried and it's failed every time. And if you want to try it again, well, why don't you move to Cuba? Why don't you move to Russia? Go there and tell them, hey, I'm here to fix this. If you really want that. People like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders owns how many homes? How many cars? Is worth how many millions? I would love to see Bernie Sanders' bank statement. Because if you're a real communist, Bernie, if you truly believe that, then you would be doling out that money to everybody in the United States. You wouldn't have multiple homes and multiple houses, you know? But that goes back to, you know, I mean, that goes back to to what I was saying earlier about, you know, it, it, 
it requires individuals to police their own morality. And at the end of the day, we even look in Latin America, you know, we really have it. You know, we talked a lot about Russia and Eastern Europe, so in communist countries in the USSR, we were talking about Latin America. You, you've got com- countries down there who, who've thought about, you know, taking that communist tack and they have these coups and you put military people in charge of, you know, these, these companies in these countries and stuff and military guys, they have to revert back to the same tactics as the people they threw out because they're like, I can't get anything done without corruption. I can't get anything done without these under the table deals. Uh, because that's just how, because communism doesn't scale and it absolutely doesn't work. And Luke, I, I think it's a great point. I think I'm glad you brought it up as a topic of discussion for, uh, for this, this iteration, this episode. Well, and that's where the censorship comes in as well, right? So when you look at controlling the flow of information, because like you're saying with the, the grocery uh, store you know, story, you can't have the people see that, right? Uh, that's what's going on in North Korea. I mean, North Korea is, is virtually cut off from the rest of the world, um, which I don't know why we're not just like throwing up internet all over that place. That, that's just my own personal opinion. With that. That, that's how you break communism is by letting the information get out there, letting people see, Hey, this is how good it, it, it can be. Because right now, everything I've read, like, especially when you look at North Korea, you know, his whole line to the people is you think you're hungry. The rest of the world is hungrier than you are. You're lucky. You're only this hungry, right? Because they don't see anything else. I mean, you take a North Korean, imagine taking a North Korean to like a Walmart, you know, you're and Josh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you would have a revolution. And I think that's, you know, information is how you break those things. And it that's what scares me when you when you hear about, you know, Biden and even with Barry back in the day, hey, this is the new normal. Because that's what it is. You know, with, with Yeltsin, I mean, think about it this way. They even took the leader. Uh, he was censored, right, from seeing what was out there until he comes to America and goes to his grocery. Like, he didn't realize it was like this. And that's what worries me when you start talking about the berries and the Bidens that, well, this is the new normal, you know, because it's, you know, I, I, I don't know, Luke, if you, if it's too much of a leap, but it, that's what it takes me to. It's like, Hey, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you experience. Don't believe anything else. I'm telling you what the new normal was. This is the way it is now. And that's communism, you know, yeah. real quick on the, on the last thing, um, talking about, you know, the C-suite and, and, you know, what they get paid and this and that. Here's, here's something else that people fail to account for is the risk. You know, the financial risk um, that a lot of these folks put in uh, to make decisions that hopefully is going to be profitable, right? Uh, that's what people don't realize. Like, hey, why is the CEO making this and that or whatever? Well, because I can tell you from like our company when we started, uh, our CEO and, and, you know, one of the other executives, dude, they put everything they had on the line. It was their homes, you know, the, the future of their families, their kids. I mean, they are the ones who wrote the check for that. And you know what? Your common worker didn't do that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I've worked for, you know, other places where I was just the nug, man. That's just what I am. Right. And that's where it comes down to merit-based pay, skill-based pay. What do you bring to the table? Because if you have a skill set that's highly sought after, that's critical to the, to the company, guess what? You're going to get paid more. You know? And at that aspect, it's, it's even better to be the employer or the employee because at that point, you don't really have any risk involved. 
Like, hey, I just keep doing what I'm doing and I'm going to make a, a crap ton of money. And you know what? I don't have to worry about the company failing or making decisions. Like you, like Luke was saying, you know, what, giving the order or taking the order. Hey, man, I can just sit here and, and do what I was paid to do and make good money and never have any worry. Uh, whereas I can tell you those, those executives, for the most part, uh, you know, one, you're always working. Even on vacation, you're always working. And it's all, that risk is always there. Because not, it's not just about, hey, company fails and I go under. Company fails and how many people do we put out of work? Company fails and how many other families uh, are going to struggle and suffer uh, because of the decisions I made? So, you know, that's the, uh, that's the, other, the other side of that as well. And, and I'll kick it over to Luke because it looks like we've got a guest here. Nice hand. <laughs> <laughs> that's a U.S. Army officer right there. <laughs> so. When I was uh, reputational damage, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things, Roger, I've had an opportunity uh, to speak to uh, Chinese people, and I'm sure like from China, you know, uh, from parts of China that are uh, you probably imagine. Um, and it's the same in North Korea, right? When we're talking about, uh, you know, they're, they're shielding Yeltsin, they're, they're shielding the leaders and things like that. Well, the leadership, I think, in China, at least, and in North Korea and in Cuba as well, and the Soviet Union back in the day, what they're told when the information comes out that look at these grocery stores, look at these amusement parks, look at all these great things. The reason the United States has those things, the reason the Western powers have those things is because they're making money off the back of you. The reason you're hungry is because they have all those grocery stores and they're the ones taking advantage of you. So this hate, this hatred builds over time and they see the progress and the, you know, the, the, just the bounty that we have and it makes them angry. You know, it's that class warfare thing. It's that revolutionary mindset. It's like, we have to take that away and redistribute it to everyone. It's not right that they have so much and you don't have anything. You know, it's a zero sum game. We've got to spread everything out. So I, I just I think that's that's very interesting. I guarantee you, like I, I, I often think what would happen if the North Korean regime fell like overnight? And I think we've discussed on this podcast that is not in China's best interest at all. Uh, that is not in Japan's best interest. I think we've have we talked about this on the podcast. I don't I don't recall. We did bring it up a little bit because yeah. we we're talking about the sentiment of South Korea. When you look at ten years ago versus now, South Korea doesn't even want to you know yeah reunify or anything like that anymore. Well, it's it would be interesting, you know. If I, in fact, I think we might have talked about it not too long ago, but I'll say it again. It would be interesting, you know, if you had if you could get South Korea on board and they could actually reunify in a very short amount of time. And when I say very short, I'm talking ten years, which would be phenomenal but you would have a giant working class within korea a unified korea that would compete with the entire world it would be japan from the 1980s except even crazier because you have these you know millions and millions of uh, low skill labor ready to go and ready to not get paid, ready to not get paid very much you know what i'm saying it would be absolutely insane so i i think that's interesting it's just it's such a shame that a country like North Korea even exists, you know, because Koreans, North Koreans are in their hearts. They're not bad people. It's the same as Chinese. I mean, the Chinese communist party is a very small part of uh, the population of China. I mean, Chinese people are just human beings. 
you know, that are being taken advantage of, man, you ratchet that up to, you know, put, put that on Trinbolone and Anavar and Deca Durable and that's North Korea. I mean, man, those people are oppressed. It's, it's a, it's sad. It's really sad. And there's probably how many people, Roger, do you think in North Korea are actually living a good life? Less than a hundred? Probably 10. 10. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, they have literally. comforts and yeah, probably 10, maybe could be more, but not many. That's just a, so I'm going to, I'm going to change it up uh, real quick. If you guys, you guys got any more comments on communism before we move on to our very last topic for a few minutes? Nothing. Commies okay. suck. That's Commies it. suck. That's it. That's the title of the podcast. Commies suck. Better, better dead than red. <laughs> That's right. So I did not watch uh, the Trump CNN town hall, but I did listen to uh, more than a few podcasts, uh, you know, uh, touching on the highlights and basically what went down. And my, my take on it is this. I think that uh, Trump did Trump. I think it was good for Trump. I think it was good for CNN. I think it was a win all the way around for everyone involved. But I'll go ahead and say this, and you guys can fight over who, who, who takes it next. I don't think that him being Trump, I think it was good. I think his, he was Trump and he was giving it to that girl. And, you know, he, he got all the Trump supporters fired up for sure. But I don't know if he got any independence with that. I, I just don't think it did anything to win over independence. You know, I, I guess I'll kick it to Roger and then, because Roger, you may have a different view on it. I do think it was a good performance, but I just, it was a good campaign thing, but I don't know if that did any good for him, like real good. I, other I than don't firing think up it made it, it didn't make it any worse with independence. Cause one thing he really didn't do some of the things that, you know, he's done in the past um, that I think hurt his chances, especially when you talk about 2020, uh, you know, Josh is texting, you know, Roger back on the Trump trend. I tell you what, man, sitting there and I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched the majority of it, but sitting there watching it, dude, I mean, he, here's the thing. He's got to find a way. And we've talked about this before and it doesn't really answer your question, but I don't think he was Trump, but he was fairly subdued where he didn't really piss off any more independence. And what he's got to realize right now is he's in a very unique situation to where all he's got to do is compare what life was like two and a half years ago to what we're going through right now. That's what got you fired up because, and here's the other thing too. It's uh, just sitting here. And again, whether you're a Trump, you know, hater or liker, whatever, doesn't matter. What I watched Biden do over the last two and a half years with his gaffes, the guy can't even get a complete sentence out, and then taking no questions, turning his back, and just walking off. It was actually nice to see like a political leader up there uh, engage with the audience. Dude, because one thing I I took away from this, and and I heard this somewhere else on, on another pundit was saying it, could you imagine Joe Biden up there doing that? No way. The dude doesn't have the wit uh, he doesn't have the cognitive ability at this point in his life to sit up there and go back and forth. And, and when I watched Trump, I'm like, that dude could have been 40 years old. I mean, he was fired up. He was articulate. Um, again, I don't think he pissed off. He didn't say anything to piss off any more conservatives or independents, but I'm not sure that he took advantage of gaining more independent votes. Uh, however, what I am curious to see how how it plays out over because I mean, there's a long time, a long way to go before the next election. A lot of it's going to depend on how bad does it get, because it could be a version of the Biden Harris campaign to where okay, Trump, you don't really have to do anything to gain independent voters, okay, 
Just don't do anything to piss them off. If you don't do anything to piss them off and the, and the country continues the trajectory that we've had over the last two and a half years, it may get bad enough that independent voters vote for you anyway. You just can't piss them off. Okay. Uh, I thought what was very interesting was they did a, a, uh, a poll with, uh, I think it was 10 or 11 people or whatever. And the first question the guy asked was like, well, Hey, did it piss you off? And, and the guy, I think he was an independent conservative, if I'm not mistaken, but they asked him, they were like, uh, you know, did it turn you off that, you know, Trump was talking about the 2020 election, da, 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 da. And the guy said, well, that was the first question that you asked. So he had to respond to it. And then the guy was like, well, do you think he should have like immediately just like for, you know, you know, pivoted and taken that to 2024? And he's like, well, then why didn't you ask about 2024? You know, you're beating him up on 2020 and I'm like, Josh, you know, I get, I get tired of it as well. I'm done living in the past. You have to look forward. But at the same time, the media is staging this stuff. Hey, if you wanted to talk about 2024, you'd be asking about 2024. Instead, you asked, your first question was about 2020. Now, this is where I think that Trump has to be able to pivot, right? That there's something to be said for say, hey, look, 2020 is what it is. And now we're looking at 2024, yada, yada, yada. And you go on. Um, but, you know, I was fired up. It was nice to actually hear somebody up there, uh, you know, debating, going back and forth. Somebody who was engaging with the audience. It was engaging with the moderator because we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that leadership at all out of the White House over the last two and a half years. What's interesting to me, and, and, and I'll kick it over to Josh. Um, I want to see what the polls look like. Uh, because I'm wondering, and, and, and I'll throw it over to Josh for his opinion on this. It makes me wonder, do you think based on this polling, if he happens to get a big bump out of it, does it change DeSantis's decision? Whether, do you think he's made a decision whether he's going to run yet, uh, DeSantis, or do you think, you know, it's still kind of out there and does this impact that at all? DeSantis is running. He wouldn't have been in Iowa the last couple of days, if he wasn't there, there, there's no reason for him to be in Iowa unless, unless DeSantis is just head faking everybody like, you know, like nobody's business. I mean, if he's out there just trolling people, then good on him. But for him to go to Iowa there, there's, there's no reason unless he's, unless he's actually running or, you know, maybe he hasn't made the decision yet, but he's thinking about it for sure. Uh, he, he's absolutely thinking about it if he hasn't made the decision, but I, I think DeSantis is going to run. I think DeSantis is, you know, people say, well, no, DeSantis needs to wait till 2028, you know, to run. And we, and we've talked about it a lot on here. That's, that's five years from now. That's an eternity in politics, an absolute eternity. And DeSantis is a star may not be as bright, you know, in 2028 as it is, as it is now. Um, as far as the Trump town hall goes, did he, did he win any independence in that town hall? I don't think so. Here's the thing. It's not going to be, it's Trump can give, he could have given the best town hall. Trump can give, you know, these really great rallies and stuff, but unless the economy turns to absolute dog shit before the 2024 election, he's not going to pull independence. He's just, he's not going to pull enough to win. He might pull a couple, but he's not going to pull enough to win because if the election were held today between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, Joe Biden would win because the economy is not bad enough 
for people to just be like, oh man, you know what? Yeah, Biden, man, Biden really screwed this up. He's 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 not the he is not the answer. Um, and so, but it, it doesn't matter. And the whole Trump DeSantis thing is is silly anyway. Because here's the deal: all the you know the the never Trumpers who are, you know, DeSantis's, you know, followers and stuff like that, guess what? If Donald Trump's a nominee, they're going to vote for Donald Trump in the general. And if DeSantis is a nominee, guess what? All of those people, all those Trump supporters, those diehard Trump supporters, they're going to go vote for DeSantis in the general. Because history has shown it to be that, to to be it. So those people who support, you know, either candidate aren't going to all of a sudden be like, well, I'm just going to go vote for Joe Biden. Or you know, Gavin Newsom. If it's guy, if it's Kevin Newsom, it's not. It's just not going to happen. Um, the the town hall. I didn't watch any of it because I went to bed. Uh, because I go to bed at you know eight thirty every night, as uh, as you guys like to joke about, and that's that's my old man bedtime. And that thing came on way too late for me to try and entertain any of it because I knew I was going to get sucked into it, and I would be like, you know, feeling like a bag <laughs> of smashed assholes the next day. Could have stayed up late watching. <laughs> so I went to bed, but I caught some of the clips and stuff like that. And Kate, Caitlin Collins, who was the, you know, the CNN, uh, correspondent who, who, who was asking Trump questions and interviewing him stuff. She's a clown. One, she's a clown. Uh, obviously two, she's an absolute diehard, never Trumper, never GOP, never conservative. She's a, she is a dyed in the wool leftist. Um, and like he said, you know, people were like, oh, he was still talking about 2020. And I hate hearing about 2020. But you're right. It was one of the first questions he was asked. He was like, OK, well, you asked me, so I have to respond to it, you know. Uh, but Trump, he, I would like for a conservative commentator to ask Trump about what would he do differently about his COVID response? How would he handle his response to COVID differently? And how would he handle his appointments to key cabinet positions differently? Would he, would he keep folks or would he reappoint, you know, appoint folks like Christopher Ray, like Bill Barr, like James Mattis? Because those are a lot, let's face it. Trump had a lot of bad hires. He hired a lot of terrible people. One of those, and you know, talking about Twitter, the new Twitter CEO that's coming in, who's a you know World Economic Forum uh, figurehead and stuff like that. But guess what? That was a 2018 Trump hire for the Trump administration. So I, I would like somebody to call Trump on the carpet for some of his some of his appointments and 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 nominations in uh, into his administration because he made some really bad hiring choices that has led to some of what we're dealing with now. Christopher Ray specifically. So yeah, those are my thoughts on the town hall. I, I I don't think he won any independence. I don't think he lost any independence. I think the vast majority of people have made up their mind and in barring, barring the economy being absolutely terrible. I don't think those independents are going to change their mind w- regardless of what it is right now, whether they're voting for Trump or not voting for Trump. So good points. Good points. I still wish, you know, Trump would just, kind of fade off, not, not fade, fade away from politics, like running for office. I wish he'd fade away from that. And just, you know, we said it on here before and just be a kingmaker and a celebrity, you know, cause he, I, I think he's uh, I think he's a fun guy, you know, for both sides. 
uh, whether CNN wants to admit it or not, it's a lot of fun for them. Uh, yeah. So I just, I wish he'd fade, but that's not going to happen. And it will be interesting. Uh, Roger said it, it, there's a long way to go still. Uh, I, I agree with Josh. I do think DeSantis is running, uh, but yeah, he needs to, he needs to do something. He's do something to get back in the limelight. Cause his, his star is, uh, kind of fading back. You know, every time Trump's in the news, you know, has a good town hall rolling up his base on CNN. That's, that's not good for DeSantis, you know? Um, so I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, so one, one quick, quick thing before I kick it to Roger, my last thoughts are, you know, I saw the news this morning <laughs> that uh, they're replacing title 42 because that's gone now with title eight. And I'm like, am I reading that right? Am I still asleep? Because Title VIII's been on the books for a very long time. That's our immigration and naturalization policy. That's the policy itself. So it's like, our, oh, so what we're saying is we're actually going to start following our own policy. Okay? I mean, I guess that makes sense. I guess that's a step in the right direction. But Title VIII's very clear. Very clear on these things. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the situation down at the border, we didn't talk about that. But I think it's going to be a slow, uh, slowly unfolding chaos down there. Uh, there, there, there is a, a rush on the border for sure, but I think it's just going to be a continuous, continuous trickle until they just really shore it up. And I still st- I stand by what I said to you guys that, I, and I think I said it in the Slack that I think this is going to be the impetus to push some immigration reform and, and, and it won't, you know, the, the left will do their thing, the right will do their thing, uh, but there will be some kind of reform and it'll probably be attached to you know, something else, but we'll see if they were smart. If the Democrats were smart, that is, they would part of the uh, debt ceiling negotiations would be, you know, they'd they'd lump immigration in there and try to get what they want, you know, as a political maneuver, but they're not, doesn't look like they're doing that. So we'll see what happens, but Hey, we're recording on mother's day. So to all the moms out there, my mom, Roger, uh, Josh's mom, happy mother's day, our wives as well. Uh, Mother's Day, I always joke that it's a made-up holiday, and the lady that made it up for the greeting card company spent the rest of her life trying to uh, try to get rid of it. Uh, people don't don't know that, but yeah, the the lady that actually made up the holiday spent the re- she saw that it became you know just a money making thing, so she she spent the rest of her life advocating against Mother's Day. But it is one of those holidays I do think is important. I give my mom and my wife a hard time about it, but. Yeah, mom, moms do a lot. So happy Mother's Day to, to all the folks, and thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, so the the Title 42 thing, I'm curious to see how this thing plays off. It obviously, you know, 9 p.m. local time where I'm at Thursday night, uh, it ended or expired. And I think like Luke said, you know, there is obviously a surge going on, but it's more of a trickle or not even a trickle. It's a slow stream. Um, which kind of surprised me in some of the areas. I thought it'd be a little bit more of a push, but uh, I think by the time we do our next episode, uh, we'll at least have another good solid week of you know the expiration after or after the expiration of Title Forty Two. So we'll ha- probably have a better uh, view of the landscape at that time. But both sides just suck, right? I mean, we've had you know we've had one party control Congress over the last several years. Uh, both sides, Republican and Democrat, you know what they've done for immigration reform absolutely nothing i mean the reality is neither of them want to do anything you know we've talked about a little bit here yeah just to me like i think a basic you know building block is like hey man just give them taxpayer id numbers come over fill your stuff out 
you want to work here, give them a taxpayer ID number. The very first thing you can do is, okay, at least start having them support the system. Okay. It gives you accountability. Uh, they're funding the, the, the communities that they're in. Cause that's, that's part of the strain on resources, right? Is that there just aren't enough taxpayers, aren't enough resources to support all the illegals that are coming across. But you know, we can't even get to that point. So hopefully, uh, hopefully with our next recording, we'll have a, uh, a better view of this landscape, but you know, just kind of dovetailing off what Luke said, uh, it is mother's day. So I want to wish my mom a happy mother's day. Uh, Luke, your mom, happy mother's day, Josh, your mom, happy mother day, mother's day. Uh, so at least for today, I'm going to try to, uh, to be a good kid. So with that, I'll kick it over to Josh. Yeah. So again, happy mother's day to all the, to all the moms out there, uh, for my wife for mother's day. What we did is I got her a hotel room here, uh, locally and the, uh, the kids conspired with me. They went and, uh, you know, we sat it up, had them make car- make cards and stuff like that. And we put a, uh, all our favorite snacks in a bottle of, uh, sangria and a bottle of prosecco uh in in the room for and then uh i made her dinner last night and after dinner we gave her a room key and was like this is where you're going for the night by yourself uh just you and your your snacks and your you know your wine and uh so we dropped her off at the hotel and uh yeah then we went and went and picked her up uh you know, picked her up this morning whenever she woke up and texted and was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm good. Good to come home. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it gave her, gave her a number herself and the kids really got excited about it. You know, even our oldest, she was like, mom's needed this for, for a while. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, we all joke about it and stuff like that. But, you know, I tell you, my wife, she, she does so much here at, at the house and she keeps me straight. Uh, every time I need something, every time I lose something, it just everything that happens in this house is orchestrated by her. She's she is truly the project manager of uh, of our household, and, and she does so much. And I'd be I would be more of a of a hot ass mess, you know, w- without her. And our kids are absolutely fortunate to uh, to to have her as a mom. So, yeah, to to all the moms out there for for putting up with us uh, over the years and uh, and everything. Thank you so much. We definitely appreciate it. And if you have it, uh, call your mom today. I know my wife would, she would give anything to be able to, to talk to her mom today. So with that, that's all I got. I'll go ahead and, uh, and close this out. And so until next time, canteeners, uh, keep those canteen cups full, tightly secured. And remember, better dead than red. <laughs>